You always want to be uh, hesitant about that. Make them fight for... So the big question is, what are top agents doing to absolutely crush it in real estate? To get the answers, we interview the top real estate agents to learn their secrets to success. If you would like one-on-one access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to EliteAgentSecrets.com slash partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. My name is Andrew Dunn. And my name is Peter Michael. Welcome to Elite Agent Secrets. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Elite Agent Secrets. Today we have a very special and unique guest by the name of Tom Zeeb. Now, Tom is a real estate investor who went from being in the corporate world and a corporate job to investing full-time. And today we'll discuss some of the key topics that have helped him to do that. Because back in 2001, believe it or not, Tom was as broke as a joke. He had a near-death experience while white water rafting that pushed him to find a new way to break free from his nine-to-five job. And now he focuses on not only investing himself, but teaching others and other real estate investors to do what he has done over the last few years or decades. But hey, who's counting? (laughs) So Tom, I want to welcome you to the show and see how you're doing today. Thanks, Peter. Great to be here. Dude, I'm so excited because today's topics, we're going to cover the art of science of real estate negotiations. We're going to cover marketing for deals and then the mindset and holding frame of really what it takes for us to become uh, real full-time real estate investors. But before we dive into that, I want to give you the floor. Take us back to day one. Take us back to that life-changing experience when you were not only as broke as a joke, but how you were almost, well meeting the creator here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, happy days. Uh, okay. I had a, I had a corporate job. I was a few years out of college and it, I didn't love it. I was all right. Some days it was good. Some days it wasn't. Things change. You never quite make enough money. You get frustrated by it, but I don't know what to do. And I had finally sat down and added up my credit card debt and my school debt and my, all the other debt that was just piling up. I was 113 grand in the hole. So I was stuck because when are you going to get a $113,000 raise or how are you going to pay $113,000 of revolving credit off? I, I, I suddenly realized the deep hole that I was in. Uh, but rather than rising to the occasion, I just ran away and escaped from it. I went on a giant adventure trip with some buddies to India and we went whitewater rafting in India. Uh, and this was basically escapism. It was awesome. It was, it was a great trip. It was good, good fun. Uh, but on that river, we hit a very rough class five rapid and I couldn't stay on the boat. I couldn't stay on the raft. I wound up over the edge and under the water. And during that time, when you're unsure exactly what's going to happen, am I going to come up? Am I going to get, you know, my face smashed into a rock? Am I going to get pinned down uh, in, the, in the rocks by the water? Am I, you know, am I going to make it or not? I, rather than be scared about that, I was aggravated and frustrated at the situation that I had back home. And, and I decided to finally get out of it and, and become who I want to become, do something different, break out on my own. I had this entrepreneurial spirit that was uh, not being satisfied. And I said, if I get out of this, things are going to be different. Well, I got out of it, obviously, here I am. But I, when I got back home, nothing was different. Now I was even deeper in debt, 113 grand plus the cost of the trip. Uh, and I had no clue what to do. Uh, until uh, a friend of mine handed me a copy of Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. 
and I read it. That is a great book, by the great way. Book. Great yeah, book. The quadrants uh, and everything. It's perfect. It, it it spoke to me very deeply. Like the same frustration I had when I was drowning, this gave me the answer. I was a frustrated entrepreneur who needed to be off on my own, obviously, but this gave me the answer how. Get involved in real estate investing. Of course, it doesn't tell you any specific how to. So it just says buy cash flowing real estate. So I ran out and bought a six unit building uh, in New York City, landlord friendly New York City. I, I say that uh, jokingly. Uh, and then that building almost took me under. I was drowning again. It wasn't until my next round where I wound up getting a small property under contract that I thought I was going to rehab. And instead, another investor offered to take it off my hands if I would assign my contract to them. I did that and I made over $22,800. And I went, oh, wow, what if I just keep doing this again and again and again? And that's what I did. And it solved all my problems. Yeah. and. And the concept that you're talking about there is called wholesaling, right? Because yes. it depends on how savvy you are, whether you're new to the industry or you're just an agent. Today, what we're really going to talk about is a lot of the different investment vehicles that are a little bit more creative. In your case, that was the wholesaling. Assignment fees, baby, 22 grand. You could only need to do it five times to make 100 grand, get you a little bit closer to getting you out of your debt, right? Hey, I just wanted to jump in here and let you know, if you would like access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to eliteagentsecrets.com slash partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. Now back to the show. As you went and fast forward, you know, the next few years, I know your life has drastically changed, which I think it makes sense for us to pull in topic number one, because when it comes to wholesaling deals, whether you're wholesaling or whether you're negotiating real estate deals or any other deals, commercial, residential, it does not matter. But the art and the science of real estate negotiations has to be a fundamental skill set that you have. This is why it's our topic number one, I'm assuming, yep. but I'll give you the microphone and tell us why is that the topic that you pick to speak about today? Well, everybody's got to make a deal. You've got to make it into a deal or you don't have a deal. That's true for real estate investors. That's true for real estate agents. You've, you, you know you're in a situation where two parties have to come to an agreement. Well, that's a negotiation. So getting good at negotiating and understanding what goes into negotiation is important because if we're negotiating all the time, uh, then why don't we study it and actively try to get better at it? Because most people don't. They just wind up in negotiations and they kind of push their way through, but they kind of flop their way through them. And they could be so much better if only they learned some basic skills. But of course, it's not taught in school, which is a little bit funny. For as important as it's been to my business, when I when I started studying negotiation, everything changed. More deals at better prices, right? So more deals and more profits purely from studying negotiation. So when we're thinking of negotiations, I mean, that's a term that's just thrown around. Negotiate, negotiate, negotiate. What I'm realizing is a lot of agents, I'll keep it agent specific, don't sure. know how to negotiate. So what are some of the fundamentals that we can incorporate? Some of the basic groundwork, because negotiation isn't, oh, I'll give you X, Y, Z, A, B, C, you give me that. I mean, that's that stuff used to work in 2022, where you know there was really no negotiations. The seller wants what the seller wants. You got to write the contract, you, you write the contract. And I'm seeing now as a listing agent as well, where the fundamentals of negotiations are just gone. Like it is 
you say no, and then people don't know what to do. So let's dive into the basics, the fundamentals. Where do we start? Well, I view it, negotiation is you're, you're, not, it, you're not forcing anybody to say yes to you. You're persuading them. It, it, it's, there's, there's, a, there's an art to it. There's a science to it, right? That's why I call it the art and science of real estate negotiation, which is good news. Because a lot of people get wrapped up in the art. Oh, am I good at it? How do I sound? The art of negotiation doesn't matter as much as the science. It's the science of negotiation that matters because you can literally start to understand how people respond to things behaviorally. You can start to predict what uh, what kind of human behavior is going to be when you say something the response you expect to get. And when you understand that, you're, you're following the science. So that means you can just use the techniques that I teach and start to move towards the results that you want to get. But not, you're not even worrying about how you say it or how good you are at it. The art will come later. At the beginning, you focus on the science. So give me something a little bit more tangible because I, I really want to get it down to basics because honestly speaking, for me, it's a lot more intuitive. I don't know, and I'll be fully vulnerable here. I do know the basic skills of negotiating, but I feel like I've been doing them for so long, running multiple businesses prior to this, that I couldn't tell you how I do what I do. To me, it's like this, whenever I have a reaction, I know how to move and mold and negotiate yeah. to get the outcomes that I'm You've internalized for. it and it's become a part of you, which is good. That's what, that's the point we want to get to. Well, I'm not saying I'm the best, but yeah. I'm I just got a 75K off the purchase price for one of my, my clients and they're happy as they can be, right? When I know the property next door that I just closed on last Friday appraised for about $180,000 higher than what we we're on the contract for. Nice, nice. So that's a, that's a big spread. And I'm not saying I'm the best, um, but to me, it's intuitive now at this point where I don't think it, I feel it. So I think now I've moved into the art that you may touch on a little bit later. Exactly, exactly. So let's. Uh, well, let's hit some of the science first for people. So, Peter, say a number. One. One? That's it? That's it. Now, how do you feel about your number when I reacted that way? It made me definitely question. Like, damn, yes, I'm making you question your own number. Yeah. If you said 100 or 1 million, I would have flinched the same way, and you'd have the same reaction. You'd be questioning your number. doesn't matter what the number is you'd be questioning it because of my reaction, which was a flinch. So flinching is a great technique. Every time you hear a number, it doesn't matter what number it is, flinch. Act like you were assaulted or attacked by that number and watch what the reaction from the other party is because they're going to start to be unsure of their number because they're they're thinking something's wrong there. Now, if I... Uh, if Let me use an example. Let's say you're trying to get a property for... 250,000. At 250,000 it'll be a deal. That's what you're aiming for. Mm -hmm. Where where do we tend to meet? What's the most fair spot for two parties to meet? Down the middle. In the middle. Okay. Well, so what I want to teach you now is a negotiation technique called bracketing where we create a bracket where we are effectively engineering where the middle is. If the middle is the most fair place to meet, then let's engineer that middle to be exactly where we need it to be. So if 250 is, is where we need it to be, and that's going to be the middle, then uh, when I ask you how much you're asking for the property, if, if you said 300000 well, you're $50,000 high. So that means I need to start where? Way low at 200000 
Yeah, 50,000 low, because if you're 50 high, I've got to be 50 low. That way, when we meet in the middle, where things do tend to pull towards, it feels fair to everyone and everyone feels like they won, which is cool. So, but here's the thing. I would never offer $200,000 on that property. But I would offer 203579 Because how does that number sound to you, Peter? Well, it's, it sounds a little bit different and weird. And now it makes me question of why is it so different and unique? Why not just make it a 200? Right. So what do I know that you don't? Right? What? Ooh, he's really specific. He must have really done his research. I must really know what I'm doing. Those are all thoughts that are going in the person's mind because you used a hyper-specific number. And honestly... I just pulled it out of thin air. I just don't want to be at an even 200 if I'm trying to get too fast. It's I'm way too common. Yeah, just pull a specific number out. Anybody can do that. So those three techniques, which happen to be three of my favorites, I got 52 different techniques that I use, but those, those three are my favorite. I use them on every single time I'm talking to somebody. Those three techniques you're going to use pretty much all the time. And they're massively powerful for starting to move the number in the direction you need it to go. You know, it's, it's crazy because... Once, like I said, I do these things because I must have learned them at some point, some time ago, and I've been doing them for so long that I don't think about it. <laughs> but I have two examples that I literally just thought of, as you were saying, where I know I did this. So the flinch technique, when I had a listing and the agent hit me at 780 and I'm at like 825, I go, oh, you know what? Honestly speaking, I, I don't, I encourage you to write it up, but I think we're very, very far apart just based on me knowing my client and they really need where they need to be. Yep. And I got him up to 800, which is exactly where they needed to be, where the deal happened and we were to be able to move along. The, the bracketing one, I do at all the time when I'm on the buy side where I say, hey guys, you're at 1.45. My clients is like 1.35. We got a hundred grand to kind of spread. Where do you think we could meet, right? So that's the bracketing technique and the weird number. So I do it in two different ways. I do it when I list where like, I'll give you an example. Like I listed a property at 815, 989 uh -huh. because 989 is a song apparently that I didn't know, but my client really loved the song. So I said, what's your favorite song? 989, because I saw it in their and emails. So I asked them about it and every single person asked me like, Hey, just out of curiosity, like, why didn't you just list this at 815? It's like 815, 989. I said, well, it's my client's favorite song, 989. So if you bring me an offer, make sure it's included. <laughs> right? So I, I like to have a little bit of fun with it. And we did. We, had, we got an offer for 800,989. Fun fact. Um, the second part of the bracketing that I just recently did, I actually did it completely real estate unrelated to show everybody that the art of negotiation just is applicable to anything and everything. Then I was negotiating repairs for my car. I was very specific about the number. It was like $3,672.50. Yeah. And my mechanic was like, that's a little bit strange, but sure. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> and oh, I got no, wait a minute. There's a negotiation lesson than this. When he told you that's a little strange, but sure, we can do it. What was your first thought? Must have worked. I'm like... Okay, I guess he thought that I did. I said, I, well, I also gave him context, right? Yeah. So I said, hey, listen, this is where you are. I went through my numbers. This is where I need to be on, on this for, you know, for me to be able to get this done. Could you make that work? This is the number. And gotcha. he went like, all right, yeah, yeah. And he actually 
gave me a number that was lower than what I said by like, not a lot, but it was like 50 bucks, right? Yeah. The, 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 the point is that he didn't do as much as I did, but it looked like I did a lot more because I was very specific on my numbers. So then he adjusted his to gotcha. make it work. Gotcha. Sometimes when someone agrees to your first offer, the, the first thought in, in your mind is then, oh, they would have gone lower. They would have gone lower. Yeah. yeah. So and you always got to be careful. Like you never want, never want to jump at a first offer because you're putting that thought into their mind. So if a, if a client you're dealing with makes you an offer and you take it without any argument and they don't have to fight for their number, then they're immediately thinking, oh, you would have gone less or something's wrong here. And so they start looking at things differently. So you, you always yes. want to be uh, hesitant about that. Make them fight for their number. I agree. I agree. And I, I think I think with those three techniques, I'm glad that you shared them because I find to be using them very intuitively pretty much on every single deal. Yep. Like last night, I wrote an offer. House is at 575. I wrote a number for 552, 476. Yep. And it was 476. We wrote the offer at 4 p.m. 16 minutes after. So obviously there wasn't a seven in, in the hours. So that's why instead of a set one, we put a seven because it made it seem a little bit higher. So I, I do a little different quirks like that. Yeah. And a lot of it is based on time. So if I'm writing an offer right now and it's a certain, let's say it's 1136, then the offer ends with 1136. There we go. And my TC always asks me, you're the only person that writes your contract so differently. I'm like, I'm glad you noticed. <laughs> but I just use the same old numbers each time. I don't I don't even get that fancy. But like most of my offers end in 579, my starting offers. Um, I, just, I just throw the numbers out there and I'm done. But but well, yeah, whatever you gotta do, look at you know, look at the clock of uh, 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 favorite numbers of some sort. It it the the specific numbers themselves don't matter. It just matters that the number is specific. Exactly. I, I agree. And, I, and I've seen that over and over and over again, because even when we get counters, we get whole numbers and we get numbers that are, you know, the, the whatever it needs to be. And I think you're right. I think the science comes first and then the art comes second, because unless you master the science and you understand the concept, you cannot get creative until that's mastered per se, right? Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you would like one-on-one -on -one access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to EliteAgentSecrets.com slash partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. 